What's up, everyone? Kevin Allen here, aka the Geek from DFS Army, and this is the Bold Call Fantasy Football Podcast. And today we're taking a look at the top 10 wide receivers for fantasy in 2022. All right, I'm back with Flex, Shane, and we are taking a look at the top 10 fantasy wide receivers for 2022. These are our rankings. And uh, Shane, it's a really interesting year for the wide receiver position because I feel like it's extremely top heavy and the drop off is fast and furious. Uh, I found in a lot of drafts that I've done already, and I don't know what you're thinking, but I really like the top 10 and not in love with the 10 through 20 group. I think it's a little sketch. <laughs> what do you think? I look, if you want like that elite level upside, you got to get one of these early guys, right? Honestly, when you look at wide receiver, like 10 to to your point, like 20 or even 25 at any given point, one of these guys could break out, right? Like Keenan Allen is going in early third round, arguably Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton. Like these guys who were drafted almost two rounds later could have the same upside as, as a player like Keenan Allen, even Mike Williams. So you're right. It's, it's kind of a giant tier. I mean, we, we, you know, our job is to kind of nuance these things, right, Kevin? So we go and we look at these different players and okay, this guy's got this guy player, this guy, like, T. Higgins is is amazing, but he's playing with Jamar Chase. So what are we going to do with that, right? So it's kind of our job to nuance it. But you're right. I mean, once you once you kind of get through these first, honestly, seven or eight wide receivers, just like roll roll the dice, man. Any one of these guys could break out. There there are a couple of warts. Like you know, there are reasons for the rankings, but but even even names like DJ Moore, who's just out, he's going to be outside of the top ten. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield's now on the Panthers. That's that's breaking news and mm -hmm. great. I mean, you know, all right. Am I fully confident that DJ Moore is going to be a stud? No, but I think Mayfield helps. But you're talking about other names like Deontay Johnson, questionable quarterback situation there. Terry McLaurin, also questionable quarterback situation. Jalen Waddle splitting touches with Terry Kill. That seems a little sketchy. So that second group really, you know, Jerry Judy, is he going to be a thing? We've never seen him do it. We kind of think he will be because it's Russ. You know, there's a lot of uh, Elijah Moore, again, Jets wide receiver, never feel confident in one of those. So that second group, the, uh, just a general overall strategy for me this year, because I love the running backs in the 10 in really in the 10 through 21 range of the running back position. It's really good if you can to try to focus on getting a couple of the top 10 or even the top five wide receivers on your team if you can. So let's get right into it and start. At the very top, with the number one player on the board, and I, I, for me, this is the number one fantasy football player, period, end of sentence, above all the running backs and even above Jonathan Taylor, and that's Cooper Cup. Last year, Oop. Cooper Cup averaged um, over 28 DraftKings fantasy points per game, and I say DraftKings because PPR format with bonuses and whatnot. That average beats just about any running back ever. So he had a historically one of the greatest fantasy football seasons we've ever seen from any player, and nothing's changed for him. I love Cooper Cup this year, Shane. Look, we've we've talked about him a lot in the show just because he is like he's a special kind of player. Uh, they brought in Allen Robinson this year, but you know, between you and me, I'm I'm not in on Allen Robinson hype. I think he'll be fine. I think he's being overdrafted. Cooper Cup's the man, man. Like he's got such good rapport with Matthew Stafford, and it's not just on the field. His their families hang out together. They've got, I think, kids that are the same age. The wives get along. Like you know, Kevin. Like you've got these friend groups, right? 
And the people that you get to get to see the most often <clears throat> are the people whose families get along with your family. It's, it's, it's no different. It's like there's a people element to it, right? And so when in doubt, Coop is going to be the man. He's going to be Matthew Stafford's number one target. And he's going to ball the hell out again. 25 points a week, 28 points for, for DraftKings. Might be asking a lot. 20, 21 points a week. I don't think that's on, out of the room. I think we average above 21 points a week. I think for the season, you will get right back to that 24, 25. I don't think anything's changed. Well, one thing I will say, both Stafford and Cooper Cup have this in common. Mm -hmm. Their wives are fucking smoke shows. <laughs> Super hot. I get why they all hang out with one another. Like There you go. It's like it's like going, it, you know, those two, a barbecue with that. It's like going to an Instagram model uh, uh, convention with their smoke show wives. So oh, these football players, I get why you. they hang out. <laughs> NFL membership has privileges. All right. Second up, <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> this one's easy. And the biggest question for me with with um, WR2, oh, Matthew Stafford's yeah. wife. Oh, well, my, I, wrong, I, I don't even know. I got to go. Oh, yeah. Um, so number two overall is Justin Jefferson. And and this is consensus stuff, right? This is this is not a bold call. Everybody knows this. The Vikings are talking about shifting from the run heavy approach that they've used in recent years to more of a pass heavy approach. It's it's the it's the it's all the talk of the camp. The guy who stands to benefit the most is Justin Jefferson. He's already been a 10 plus targets per game guy. Um, the reason so Shane, there's a little bit of controversy. I don't know. Okay, I'm looking at your rankings, and you yours agree with mine. A little bit of controversy. Some people are saying Jamar Chase should be number two overall. There are people who have Jamar Chase ranked as high as number one overall. So I disagree. I'm going to give you my reason why I don't, I don't agree. And essentially, it's something you mentioned before, which is Jamar Chase is fighting with T. Higgins. He's fighting with um, Tyler Boyd mm -hmm. a little bit. And he's on a team that does want to run the football when they can. The Bengals will shift to more pass heavy. So, but when they need to, but when they can, they, they want to run the football primarily. And the target floor for Justin Jefferson for me is just a little bit higher. I just think he's more of an eight to 10 targets per game guy where Chase, you'll get those five to seven target type of games mixed in. Um, both of them will spike, you know, 10 plus on occasion. But I think Justin Jefferson just has the higher target floor and gets more targets overall this season. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly that's exactly why I have Justin Jefferson ranked over Jamar Chase from a pure talent perspective. I mean, the, the, they played together. We know Jamar Chase was the alpha, right? We get it. The problem is T Higgins is an alpha, too. But to your point, like Justin Jefferson last year averaged almost 10 targets a game, whereas Jamar Chase was about seven, seven and a half targets per game. Right now, obviously, Chase is hyper efficient. The issue is. Plug and play. I mean, you're going to plug and play both these guys, but Justin Jefferson, you just know he's going to be pretty consistent every single week, whereas Jamar Chase is going to have a down week because maybe T. Higgins goes off that week, right? There's only one football to go around. Um, I, I think what's interesting, too, you know, about Justin Jefferson, um, you mentioned Kirk Cousins. So Kevin O'Connell, who's our new head coach, he has experience with Kirk Cousins. And I think he's a little bit more confident in, in Kirk's just ability to, to lead the offense. I mean, Dalvin Cook is getting a little bit older. He's still a stud. But he has battled injuries, so how do you prevent those injuries? Maybe play a little bit more Alexander Madison. Maybe, just maybe, trust Kirk Cousins to do his job. And listen, Adam Thielen, he's he's amazing. For an undrafted free agent, he's had an amazing career. I think he's, what, 30, 31 years old? He's coming off a, a bad leg injury. 
And he's going to be very touchdown dependent, right? The guy tried and true every single drive is going to be Justin Jefferson. So you talk about the volume from a talent perspective. I, I you know, I do give the, the edge to Jamar Chase, but we're, you know, it's not a popularity contest. We're playing fantasy football and Justin Jefferson is going to score the most fantasy points this year. Totally agree. So, um, you know, that, that basically covers Jamar Chase, who I have as uh, the WR3, and, and, and we both mm-hmm. agree there. Uh, this is the teardrop point for me. So, mm-hmm. um, tier one, I could really call it just um, Cooper Cup. He's his own tier. But really, these three guys are tier one uh, wide receivers this season for me. And this is a point where once Jamar Chase comes off the board, I am considering some of the running backs. I'm looking at, you know, Najee Harris. I'm looking at Swift. I'm looking at, you know, uh, Derrick Henry and and pretty much definitely Christian McCaffrey here. So the running back group is I would I would at this point start grabbing running backs. And then next on the list. So once sort of the elite tier of running back for me, it's ahead of Joe Mixon and mm-hmm. some of these other guys l- like that that are kind of a little bit lower on my running back rankings, which you can check out. You know, just link in the description below. And uh, of course. Uh, next up for me, and this is where I kind of go off a little bit differently than, than you, and maybe a little off consensus. I've got Devonte Adams as my WR four, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a case for him. Now, no one likes a wide receiver on a new team. It's scary. We've never seen him. What if he's just a product of Aaron, Ro- Aaron Rodgers? And in fairness, Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams had a historically great connection. It's like they were one mind. But here's the thing: when a stud, it's, this is this is my reasoning. When a stud wide receiver goes to a new team, that team wants to feed him, like they want to feed the beast. They just paid. You think you think the Raiders are going to feed Hunter Renfro eleven targets a game when Devontae Adams is on the team? They're not. Trust me, they're not. You know what? Who they're going to feed? They're going to feed Devontae. They want their superstar happy. They paid him. I expect Devonte Adams to get 10 plus targets every week to average 10 plus targets. I think he'll be just fine with Derek Carr. We've seen Derek Carr focus in on one player. There was a, there, we've seen games where Waller, the tight end has seen 15 plus targets in a single game. I think that's going to be Devonte Adams this year and everybody's sleeping on him. I think his ADP has him as maybe WR five or six. Yeah, it's right in that range. Maybe I mean, sticks, it, I think. Yeah, it definitely I think varies. It's varying, but I mean, right now he's 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 wide receiver five on underdog. So he's being drafted. Okay, so <clears> right at five. the one two turn at eleven. There we go. So give mm-hmm. it, give me, get, you will get him because I, I've got him ranked two WR spots out of his current ranking. I've got him above some of these next few guys. But Shane, what's your take on Devonte Adams and how do you feel about him at number four overall? <sighs> Yeah, so I'm not too far off from you. I'm at number six, obviously underdogs number five. So we're we're kind of in that in that ballpark. Um, <clears throat> at this stage in the draft, these positions do really make a difference, right? There's there's a lot of impact between two, even two or three draft spots. But the case for Devonte Adams, I think you made pretty well, right? I mean, we've seen what he's able to do. The issue becomes touchdown efficiency. We're when we're on the two yard line. Are they really going to give Devonte Adams the ball? Like, is it going to be Dev- going to Devonte Adams? Like they they didn't want to run the ball, right? Aaron Rodgers wanted to throw that ball to Devontae Adams. I'm not 100% confident that that's going to be their plan <clears throat> going in, in Las Vegas. In addition to this, look, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think Hunter Renfro is going to disappear, 
Okay. And for one of the reasons we like Deontay Johnson, even this year with the, with whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or the rookie Kenny Pickett is the fact that he could get open. Hunter Renfro last year on average <clears throat> had over two yards of separation, over two yards of separation when he was targeted. Okay. That means the man knows how to get open. He's got the built-in history. He's got the built-in chemistry with Derek Carr. Obviously, Devontae Adams played college ball with Derek Carr, but that's a long-ass time ago, man. So I believe that Devontae Adams is going to pay off. He's going to finish as probably a top 10 wide receiver. I just worry that he might not get the 170, 180 targets per year that we're used to. 140 is going to be nice. 150 is going to be nice, but it's not going to push him to that elite tier where our wide receiver one is in his range of outcomes. Whereas the guys we've talked about so far, that is in the range of outcomes. And I so mean, that's for me, one the only, I'm a little bit lower. Yeah. The, the only reason Devante is behind a chase, for example, if yeah. understand if Devante Adams was still with Aaron Rodgers, hmm. we'd have mm -hmm. to have a discussion with him as number one overall over Cooper cup. So this mm -hmm. is a drop for him. And the only reason he's not above chase and Jefferson, I love those guys, but beyond that, mm -hmm. it's, He's with a new team. We haven't seen him yet. So I don't want to automatically assume that he's going to be as productive as he was. But like I said, for me, he's one of the highest floor um, wide receivers, on, period. He's got a higher floor than the next few that people are that we're going to be talking about. He's got I, I don't believe, like I said, that Hunter Renfro is actually competition for him. I think it's fine. Hunter Renfro plays the Randall Cobb role. OK, yeah. great. Like that didn't hurt Devonta Adams. With the Packers, um, the Raiders lack wide receiver options. They don't have a lot of guys that are good. Again, Hunter Renfro plays a very specific kind of a role. I was warning everybody early season, beware of Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is being drafted way too high. Mm -hmm. Only suckers are really drafting him. Let them do it. I'm happy. I love it. I love it when he gets taken. I love it. I love it. Why? Because he's basically Jacoby Myers yeah. five rounds earlier. No thanks. He's exact. I say Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers have the same season this year. Take Jacoby Myers six rounds later. Same yeah, I mean, season. look, the difference between those two guys was was Hunter scored nine touchdowns last year. He's Myers not had scoring one? touchdowns this year. He ain't scoring yeah. shit. Yeah, no, it's going to go to Adams. I mean, obviously, Darren Waller's still there when he's healthy. Darren Waller is an absolute beast. I mean, he really does change the game when he's healthy and on the field. Um, I, I'm bullish about this offense, man. I mean, we we already did a quarterback show. Go back and listen. But Derek Carr is going to be very good this year because there's so many good choices and so many good options. So you know, I didn't I, I didn't know he played with Devontae Adams. That's I I didn't realize they played together in college. Like I didn't know oh, I have that knowledge. Oh, okay. So that was that was one of the things, right? It's, you informed oh, me on something that I didn't even know. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So yeah. So so they played in college together, and I, it makes me like it more. Fresno's, yeah. Which is a good thing, right? I mean, they've been buddies. Apparently, they've been in contact forever. And it's one of the reasons that he wanted to go there. I mean, apparently, it was one of his lifelong dreams to play for the Raiders as well. So there's 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 a few different poles to Las Vegas. I mean, it, I mean, it would also be kind of cool to live in Las Vegas. You know, yeah, but he shafted and... Rogers. He shafted oh Rogers with that. Rogers was like, <laughs> what? Wait, what? Who's my who's my wide receiver one now? I You know what? I think it's just hilarious, right? So Lizard? do you remember... Was it was it was it Devontae Adams who put up the tweet with the last dance last year? Do you remember no. that? It, was, I, don't, was I, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, okay, I don't okay. <clears throat> so was, I think it was Devontae Adams when you know, as the season was kind of coming to an end. Um, he put out a tweet about you know just kind of a picture of like the last dance, you know, like with you know Jordan, Pippen, the Bulls. Um, 
and I, I think that he figured it's because Aaron's going to be gone next year, right? Little did we know it was actually going to be Devontae. So who knows? Yeah, we all thought it. Yeah, funny. we all thought it was Aaron, yeah. as you said. Um, interesting. All right. Yeah. Let's keep moving on. Again, another bold call coming at you, Shane. Oh. It's hard to get bold calls in a top ten. Like it's the same guys, <laughs> but I do have my. You know, I have it a little different. I have it a little different. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I win fantasy football league. Sorry. Well, you know, what do you want? That's how we do it. So my number five player on the board, Tyreek Hill. The Reek. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we are going with our second wide receiver on a new team. And the reason that I love Tyreek Hill, not like love, is people th- like they're going to feed him more target. The biggest problem that he had in Kansas city was target floor. Although last, last year, and he's been great last year, that target floor went up and he was, we really saw what 10 targets per game for Tyreek Hill can do, right? The guy Mm -hmm. is explosive. He's got, he's incredible on the deep ball. And Oh, by the way, you know, who's not bad at the deep ball Tua. It's actually one of his better, uh capabilities like he's not yeah. bad his his deep ball accuracy is not terrible but and he had like more... two deep ball attempts last year like yeah, it was I'm... like if, so so here's a fun fact right and to your point to validate it so kyler murray was had a 50 percent deep ball rate we, we talked about how he was number one in the league Tua actually also had a 50 percent deep ball rate the problem is it was on like two or three attempts so hey, or listen, maybe four attempts yeah. what, you're telling me i can't manipulate statistics <laughs> to favor no, hey. my argument no absolutely not that's literally our job Once the other again, thing right? is by the way that tyreek He's not just a deep ball specialist. He can take, he, he's great at taking a short pass and, and his yak ability is like no other. But the main reason that I love Tyreek Hill, because yeah, you put the ball in his hands, he's electric. The Dolphins are going to put the ball in his hands. They didn't pay for Tyreek Hill to not play him. We saw what Jalen Waddle did when he was a focal point, getting 11, 12, 13 targets a game. He was absolutely smashing in that offense. A lot of short passing work but he smashed from a fantasy perspective. I think we're going to see the same thing from Tyreek Hill. When you bring in a stud, you have to feed him, especially in the first year. We saw it with Stefan Diggs in his first year with Buffalo as well. Teams feed the stud. They want the guy happy, right? So they're feeding the stud. That first year, I think they make a conscious effort to actually pepper Tyreek Hill with lots of targets, keep the player happy, and take advantage of the money that they spent. So, for all those reasons, I have him ahead of Stefan Diggs, who is not a 10 targets per game guy, period. Did not see anywhere near 10 targets per game last season uh, on a team with way more weapons. The Dolphins only have Waddle and Tyreek. There's really the Gusecki. There's not much else going on for them. There's no really WR3 to take targets. They don't really throw to the running backs all that much. So it's really going to be a lot of uh, him, and I think we're going to see 10-plus targets a game. And that's what I want. I want guys with high target floors. Tyreek Hill is, in my opinion, one of the toughest guys to rank. And if, if you you know, you know take a step back and you think, okay, who's going to be hurting more this year in Miami? Is it going to be Tyreek Hill? Is it going to be Jalen Waddle? I, I tend to agree with you. I think that Waddle is going to be the player that's going to get the most hurt by this because – Here's the thing. So, so Jalen Waddle, what he was kind of known for in college was his his ability to get space and the deep ball, right? He was quick as all hell, right? 
Whereas, you know, we, we've talked about it before, his average depth of target was, was quite a bit lower last year than you, would, when, than you would expect. And that was working really just easy pass, easy completions for Tua. Um, this year, I agree that I think Tua, or, uh, Tyreek Hill is going to be the one that's going to step in and get those, those short passes. And we know that he can break one loose at any given time, right? So I think that Jalen Waddle is going to really hurt. The one thing that kind of worries me a little bit is... You know, one of the concerns with wide receivers going to new teams is that it simply takes time for chemistry to be built, right? We've seen it a lot over the years where an elite wide receiver goes and he has a down season for that first year, right? Stefan Diggs kind of bucked that trend because he had immediate chemistry with Josh Allen, right? So now we've got two elite uh, wide receivers who, you know, for all intents and purposes from a skill level are in the same tier. You know, throw in DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray when that trade happened. Well, there's a lot. Yes, there, exactly, exactly. There's a lot more evidence that teams want to feed the new stud. I'll throw in Odell Beckham last year with the Rams. We mm-hmm. see what teams do. They want to involve the new guy. They don't want him, his mind wandering. They don't want him regretting it. Uh, wide receivers are divas. You want to keep him happy. And so I think they make this conscious effort in the first year. But notice what happened with DeAndre Hopkins in year two and what happened with Stefan Diggs in year two. When the team's like, all right, he's settled in. Now let's do what we do. All of a sudden, both of their productivities came down a little bit. That's what I'm hoping for in year one from both Adams and Tyreek Hill. I think there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, no, there definitely is. I mean, Stephon Diggs last year, I mean, he actually had more receiving touchdowns, but um, it was just the receptions. He had 103 receptions last year versus 127 year before. And to your and point, it was an extra because... game. Let's not forget they oh, added a game. That's true. Yeah. He yeah. So you got for the extra you're game. comparing yeah. stats. You got to understand they played an extra game. That's true. I mean, from a, on a on a per game basis, though, he did get 9.6 targets per game. So he still got fed because the Buffalo Bills love to throw the damn ball. Um, you had a really interesting tweet today. And I've been on that bandwagon since day damn one. So go check it out at FF Geek. At right? Football at, Geek. Yeah, at, at FF, Football yeah. Geek. Uh, um, you know, I was it was almost more in jest than not. Uh, just to no. stir up a little shit on Twitter. I like it. But, but I did throw out, yeah, that Jameson Crowder uh, will outscore uh, Gabriel Davis in PPR formats this year. Gabriel Davis is just such a hype machine. Mm-hmm. I had him on my team last year. <laughs> Like I had him, I drafted him as a rookie in a league we're in together, actually, although I've traded him away since then. And I highly recommend trading him <laughs> away at peak value right now. You'll never get in better value for Gabriel. I like Davis, but, you yeah. know, the four touchdown game, it was just madness. Could hmm. he ever do it again? Sure. But like, you know, there's a lot. Of I don't want to go into too much of a tangent here, but there's this video that keeps going out there where he like he made one of the DBs on Kansas City fall down for 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 one thing. Kansas City one of the worst DV cores in the league last year. Okay, the dude was like crisscross sideways, and uh, Gabriel Davis made a move outside, and then he turned to come inside to catch the ball, and the guy fell down. It's like that wasn't a good move. That was just a bad defense by the Kansas yeah, City DB. Still a bad but that's beside. Yeah. That's aside. Yeah. No, it's, it's not ass. ass. I think Gabriel that's Davis is fine. I drafted him. Yeah. He's fine. But, you know, when you take a guy in, in where you're taking him, mm-hmm. he having a guy just fine is too dangerous. Like, you, you've got to be sure. And it's possible he just falls back into a WR2 slash 3 kind of a role. There's so many weapons. This is the problem with, with Stefan Diggs, who is not next on my list. So, mm-hmm. whatever. But he's he's quite up there on your list right here. Yeah. But yeah. for me, 
one of the problems with Stefan Diggs is they have a lot of weapons. If you love Gabriel yeah. Davis and you kind of don't hate Jameson Crowder and oh my God, Dawson Knox is good. And oh, by the way, they added a pass catching running back who is going to take targets away from all these guys with James Cook, then there's just not enough. And I think Stefan Diggs yeah. comes down in targets off the 9.6. I think it comes down. I think it further comes down this year. I love him. He's a yeoman-like player, but my WR6 is C.D. Lamb. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason... So, the reason I went with C.D. Lamb above Stefan Diggs, who I have at seven, is opportunity. Unlike Diggs, Lamb has almost no competition on his team for targets, especially early in the season when Michael Gallup um, is going to still be rehabbing his ACL. You've got CeeDee Lamb. You've got Dalton Schultz, who, fine, he's a tight end who can catch some passes. And then you have a bunch of Nayer duels. Nothing really competitive to take away targets from CeeDee Lamb. I love Dak as a quarterback. I love the Dallas offense in general. So give me CeeDee Lamb. His issues in the past have been volume-related. When you throw him the ball, he catches it. He runs with it. He does everything you want. The volume should be there this year for me. So I've got CeeDee Lamb at number six overall, still ahead of Stefan Dix. Yeah. I like CeeDee Lamb too. I've, I've met number five. And I think what's, you know, Michael Gallup was great when he was healthy last year. I think he's going to miss a, a good part of the early season. I mean, he might even be put on the pup list. They drafted Jalen Tolbert, but he's a rookie. I mean, he he's going to do well. He was a senior. He was at the senior bowl. But he was playing on a small school, right? So it's going to be there's going to be a learning curve in the NFL. Dalton Schultz is fine. Um, I know you're not big on Tony Pollard, but I think Tony Pollard is going to get a little more. Uh, you're going to see a lot of two running back sets. But man, Ceedee Lamb is going to get absolutely peppered. Like he's just going to get pe peppered with targets this year. Dak Prescott's another year off the ankle injury, the catastrophic ankle injury. I'm shocked he even came back. To be honest. Um, you remember last year in the offseason, Dak also had a sore shoulder, right? He wasn't throwing. Yeah, yeah no, he had issues. The they weren't sure. They were yeah. not sure. Yeah, he's going to be healed up now. So for all intents and purposes, he's healed. <clears throat> Excuse me. CeeDee Lamb is going to step in, third year in the league. And listen, last year was, I think we were, we consensus believed, like last year was a bit of a down year for CeeDee versus our expectations. Still a very good year. This is the season. They would not have traded away Amari Cooper for a meager $20 million salary. If they didn't believe that CD Lamb could step up. So the guy that I've always kind of called CD Lamb to in his playing style, just the way that he looks to me has always been a DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that that is in his range of outcomes. Peak DeAndre Hopkins. Now, will he get there this year? I don't know, but I'm pretty damn confident. If I'm on the turn and I want to, you know, maybe fade running back, I love going Devontae Adams and CD Lamb at the turn. Like that, you want to talk about like, oh, just feeling good about your start of the draft. Drafting those two guys as a turn is just, it's a beautiful thing, man. I, I absolutely love it. And again, everybody on this list so far, these are guys, you got to get, when you're drafting mm -hmm. in 2022, you've got to get, if you can get two of them on your team, that on the turn, this is the reason why picking late is actually really, really good in 2022. Mm -hmm. You can nail two of these guys. And I would love, I'd be very excited to get Lamb and Devante at the turn again, you kind of feel bad. You're like, Oh shit, what am I going to do at running back? But then you notice when you get back to the next running back spot, cause you're going to take a wide receiver. There's a lot of them available. Lots mm -hmm. of good ones still 
on the board in rounds three at, at the end of round three, beginning round four. Dave Montgomery's there. Um, J.K. Dobbins, sometimes Travis Etienne is there. There are really, really good running backs still hanging out. James Conner might be might be hanging around at that point. Uh, Zeke, uh, the aforementioned, is there and readily available if you want him. Cam Akers is around. So there, there's such a great reason. I love that strategy. Double tap, wide receiver, bam, bam. Either pick 11-2, 12-1, doesn't matter. Love it. Absolutely love it. CeeDee Lamb's going to smash this year. I have no doubt. I think he's a can't fail player. He could be the number one. Like he, he of this group, he he has the. I don't know. Nobody's passing Cooper Cup, but if he if somebody could do it, it could be Ceedee Lamb. He is in the conversation, and he has as much upside as Chase Jefferson, Adams, anybody else. Ceedee Lamb so, can be the top overall. So here's the argument to the case. So Cooper Cup at the top, consistency, right? Justin Jefferson, consistent consistency. Jamar Chase, consistency, but there's T Higgins, um, Devontae Adams, new team. There are some competent pass catches around him. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tua, right? There's there's always like all these question marks. CeeDee Lamb, consistent, is getting better every single season, continues to become a pro, very little target competition. I look how no, good Amon Ra did when they threw to him yes. 14 times a game. And he's not the talent that CD no. Lamb is. So ladies and gentlemen, no. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I love CD Lamb. You rub your hands together and say, excellent, Mr. Burns style yeah. when you finish drafting. Yeah, excellent. Mm. Right? Just so sure you're very happy with that. Lotion. Kev, just no lotion. lotion. No. <laughs> excellent. All right. So CD Lamb now at wide receiver seven for me. This is mm -hmm. where Stefan Diggs comes on the board. Stefan mm -hmm. Diggs, and I'm gonna again, everybody has Stefan Diggs multiple spots higher. So for me personally. I will not wind up with any Stefan Diggs because he goes in drafts before I'm ready to take before I'd be ready to take him. I'm taking CeeDee Lamb ahead of him. That means I'm not getting him. I'm taking Adams and Tyreek Hill ahead of him. That means I'm definitely not getting him, right? Mm -hmm. I still like Stefan Diggs, but as a DFS player, I can mm -hmm. tell you that last year there was not a single game, maybe one game all of last season, and I'm not even sure that that was the case where Stefan Diggs essentially returned value uh tournament winning value against his salary now what that means is even if he had some he had consistency sure but he was let's say at, at some point priced the same or higher than the cd lamb he was mm -hmm. priced closer to the tyreek hill zone a lot of the season mm -hmm. or or some of these studs right there was not one week all of last year like if you paired him, so what we do in DFS, of course, is we pair the quarterback with the wide receiver. The Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs pairing did not take down a tournament the whole year because the upside is just not what it is for some of these other wide receivers. He didn't produce the 40 point games. He, he certainly didn't do it multiple times. He didn't really even produce the 30 plus point games. If he hit 30 once or twice, max the season i'm not even sure if that how many times well, you hit it once I, mm. I love that you have the stats open in front of you because i'm talking from memory on this it's okay but he only hit it once yeah the I thing is he, yeah he was he was hyper consistent throughout the entire season he he busted when i say busted under 10 points i consider a bust he busted twice not including the playoffs 
And, but he had like a, a 10.2 week. So there were weeks that were not great. The thing yeah. about Stefan Diggs is he's he's pr- generally speaking pretty steady Eddie, right? He won't have those massive games, but he also generally won't give you a dud game. Like he's always going to be part of the offense. Um, actually, his worst game of the season was against Kansas City. So there you go in the playoffs. By the way, yeah. uh, you know, you're loading up on him in DFS and you got, you got burned. But you, you see what I'm saying? This is yeah. the only thing. Now, does that mean... He can't have monster games this year. No, of course not. We don't know what's going to happen. But when I'm comparing him to CD Lamb, who I think definitely will have those explosive games, and Tyreek Hill, this is why Diggs. Again, I differ from pretty much, I, certainly with you, but but consensus ADP mm. significantly on Diggs. It, it's for this reason. I think he's yeoman like. He's going to be consistent, but he he kind of last year gave us a whole season showing you that when the Bills have multiple weapons. They are not going to just throw it to one guy 16 times. Yeah, I've seen Justin Jefferson get 16 targets in a game. I've seen, you know, Jamar Chase will spike to that level. Certainly, Devontae Adams will spike. And, and certainly, Cooper Cup kind of averages that. So, he's just below those guys for me. I, I you know, I get that he plays with Allen. I love the Buffalo Bills offense. It's great. The best, mm-hmm. you know, greatest offense in the league, whatever. He's just yeah, no, you're making a compelling case. I will be honest, you're making a compelling case. I was just looking at his 2020 stats, and he had a 40 point game. He had a couple in the 30s. He had a bunch of high 20s. I mean, he finished as as 20, over 20 points per game. 2020 which, was yeah, amazing. Just 2020, yeah. But to your point, but again, first year right. player, new team. They feed the player targets, keep him happy. Year two settles mm-hmm. into the normal offense. Now, how many targets per game? Last year, so he goes from 12, 13 targets per game down to under 10 targets per game. Now this year, more weapons are are there. Gabriel Davis emerges as a real weapon. You know who they had there? John Brown. Like they had garbage in that spot. So now, or or a young Gabriel Davis before he had come around to being a good player. So more weapons. Jamison Crowder there to, to suck up some targets. James Cook. The breakout of Dawson Knox is relevant. Mm-hmm. He was dog shit two years ago. He was not an afterthought for most of last year up until the last few games. Now he's, uh, but he became a weapon. More targets not going to digs. But I just remember in, in Dynasty Startups last year, people were drafting Dawson Knox. I'm like, I love Knox. Love him. He's a great player, great tight end in the NFL. Not great for fantasy football, and then he actually had a pretty damn good fantasy football. Oh, he came on he's strong. probably a good one. He he's a guy, you know, he came on strong um last year. We'll talk about him on the tight end breakdown, but mm-hmm. um, he came on strong at the end, and we you know, we'll see if he repeats it. There's always these guys that pop at the tight end position and then you never hear from them again. Um, yeah. you know, Robert Tunyon's, you know, Ugh. you always hear these uh, who Austin Hooper, like Ugh. they were popped one year and then they're gone. That happens at yeah. tight end. I you know, Dalton Schultz, maybe I don't know, we'll see. So, um, Stefan Diggs, number seven overall. All right, moving on to number eight. I love this player this year. So do I, man. Uh, we agree. Yeah, we're pretty, yeah, we're in agreement on this one. So that I like, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Kind of. I got Tyreek Hill. Above. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're basically. Mike Evans, mm-hmm. wide receiver, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Back together again with Tom Brady. No Gronk. No Gronk. Where Gronk? Gronk is partying on the Gronk Brothers party bus, showing up at a stadium near your $10,000 appearance fee. 
I can get the Gronk brothers to my kids' bat mitzvah if I need ten thousand dollar bomb appearance fee. <laughs> did you know? Did you you joke about that? But like they legit had a party um, cruise ship. It was like come and party with the Gronkowski brothers. Yeah. I mean, if, shit. If I could have, if I could have afforded that and made the trip out, I would have loved to go to that. The problem was Rob. You know, unless Rob is on the with the crew, a lot of times the Gronk brothers show up. It ain't Rob Gronk. It's the it's the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I don't want to hang with the rest of it. I'll hang yeah. with the rest if 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 the if the king Rob the big is, dogs there. Yeah, the big dogs there. Um, give me some Mike Evans here. Tom Brady needs someone to throw to. There's no one else to throw to on the Russell Gage plays plays a completely different role cameron Brait, cameron Brait, that's the guy godwin's going to be out probably for the first five to six weeks of the season we could we're just going to see monster i i expect we'll see monster games from evans for that period mm-hmm. and then here's the good part then let's say godwin comes back but they're working him back into the offense slowly couple weeks Oh, a little setback, a little setback. Oh, a little bit of knee knee swelling. Take him out for another week or two. So all of these things lead to, we're thinking three, four, five. We could get Mike Evans with no one else to throw to for eight or nine games this year. And that's enough. And even when Godwin is back, there's still no Gronk. The fact, people forgetting, Gronk and Evans were the two red zone targets for Tom fucking Brady, who's going to throw for 40 plus touchdowns this year. Who, who is getting those touchdowns if it's not Mike Evans? Who? You can pretty much set your watch to 1,000 yards every single season, even when there is a Chris Godwin on the field. Okay? And a Gronk. And a Gronk. I agree with you. It ain't going to be Cameron Braid. It ain't going to be K-Dotten. Um, Good knowledge of, of rookies. Fucking Flex Shane busting yeah. out with K-Dotten. That's what we Love do, it. man. Just picked him. <laughs> In a in a in a dynasty startup in round five, oh, or yeah, dynasty rookie remember. draft round five. Problem is our, our our super fan clipboard Jesus is like the K dot and fan club president, so he no, drops him in like legit early round four. That's so, poison. Little early clip, but I'm just saying. So clipboard okay. loving a player is is poison. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the thing about K dot is he's apparently going to be the like the next Gronk in this offense, but he hasn't played it down yet. He hasn't played any practice because he's been um, recovering from an injury in the off season. So we didn't even participate in any of the off season. Irrelevant. Okay. The thing is, is that Mike Evans, after Chris Godwin went down, he was scoring pretty consistently. So I believe it was week 15 against the saints where he went down next weekend suggests 14.7 points. Okay. It's fine. The next week against Carolina, almost 27 points. Next week versus Philly, almost 27 points. Next week versus the Rams, almost 26 points. He's gonna smash. Like he he and here's the thing. We you and I, Kev, we've been pretty like realistic about this Chris Godwin injury. We're saying, listen, he could be put on pup. It could be the first six weeks. He can come back. Are you gonna trust playing him right away? It doesn't make sense. Or are, are, are is Tampa Bay gonna like push him out? I mean, I don't believe it, right? There are some reports now. They're saying he might not be back until November because of um, the, the severity of the injury. Did, did did we get a rant about me talking about people drafting uh, like I did this about the best ball when I discussed I like we had, Godwin? Yeah. And only you ha- don't draft Chris Godwin. What are you doing? Don't draft injured players. 
Chris Godwin, I, I think on my rant, his his ADP is falling. This guy was going 21st overall. And, and you're like, do you remember when he got hurt? It, they don't play. It takes a year. So mm-hmm. people who are drafting, especially in best ball, where you need everybody scoring for you every single week, or you don't make the playoffs. It doesn't matter that they come back riding the white horse. It doesn't matter. Don't draft Chris Godwin. He's not going to play in the early season. And when it's hard enough keeping your team healthy when they go into the season healthy. When you draft a bunch of hurt players, you're completely fucked. Don't do that. <laughs> Just don't, right? Take Mike Evans instead. Are we ahead of ADP here at um, WR8? Mike Evans is going as WR7, so we're right there. Yeah, we're right there. Yeah, right it's because I pushed tail up. I don't mind Mike Evans above Stefan Diggs. No, on, honestly, I mean, one of the things we always talk about is getting off to a strong start, right? Especially in these redraft leagues, because uh, trade season starts, what, usually what, week four, week five? Uh, right? A little later, like by the time you're actually making trades, you have five, six. Yeah, you're starting. Okay, so, but you want to start off strong, right? So you're, you're, you're training from a position of power. And Mike Evans, legit, through the first five, six weeks of the season, could be the wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And then he can continue that for most of the season. So, I mean, to me, he's right in this tier here. It's it's really tough. I mean, I have I have him, CD Lamb, and Devontae Adams in a tier, tier two actually together. I have, I have Stephon Diggs up in that top tier. That's just you know that's how I feel about Diggies. But I think I'm gonna have to move Diggs down a little bit. And that's just I, why I like having these conversations, yeah. you know, because I'm kind of in my own little bubble, and it's nice to get different perspectives. I, we just released a draft kit on the website dfsarmy.com. Go to the season long tab. Uh, link and the draft kit is there we're going to be doing updates throughout the off season because things change right i mean it's a point in time we released it over the weekend um fourth of july is kind of the official slash unofficial start of fantasy football season we wanted to get it out for the people there's going to be adjustments minor tweaks it's like tweaking that sports car man until the draft kit's going to be absolutely perfect but mike evans man could easily finish if we're talking about somebody who can rival 25 points per game with Cooper Cup, it's going to be Mike Evans at least to start the season. Yeah, so, early, early on, 100. Yeah. percent Um, you know, some other names like that. Remember Mike Williams start last year? Think yeah. that for Mike Evans this year. I don't know if he can keep it going for a full season in terms of like 25 plus points, but Mike Evans is a guy who will spike a 40 point game. He's playing with the goat. He's playing with Tom Brady, and Tom Brady got no one else to throw to. What more do you want? Mike Evans is probably. Yeah, the guy on this list that has the best chance of at least equaling Cooper Cup or maybe even surpassing him for a, a decent chunk of the season or longer. Like I said, Godwin might never get back this year. He might have setbacks. He might have to be on a snap count. The 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 knee could get sore. There are a million reasons why. And and like I said, Russell Gage, he's just not that guy. He's playing a different role. He is not that guy and they have no one else. So, I love the yeah. Mike Evans play. Last last part of Mike Evans the guy plays is is he plays consistently. He's only had one season in his career where he's played less than 15 games in the season. That was week that was in 2019. And I'm pretty sure he got suspended for at least one game. Um, for, I think for throwing a punch, he got ejected and then I think got a, a one game suspension. So I mean he generally stays pretty healthy. Now, obviously, things can happen in, in any given point, but the man generally stays healthy. And we were talking about it on the running back show, but I didn't bring this up. Bill Parcells says the best ability is a player's availability. And Mike Evans is going to be available, baby. No, we hope so. So, all right. Moving on to wide receiver nine. And again, this is the bold call fantasy football podcast. This is not the milk toast. If you want the milk <laughs> toast fantasy football podcast, go elsewhere. It's the bold call. That's why you're not getting standard ADPs here. 
Um, okay, I, have a, I have a really important question. What the hell is milk toast? It's it's basically like, you know, imagine the most plain, uninteresting, you know, standard yeoman thing. Now, is milk toast an actual food or some sort of item? I have no idea, but it is an expression <laughs> that I'm familiar with. Got it. Milk toast. Love it. All right. Like imagine toast with milk on it. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know where the expression comes from, but milk toast, boring bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's what you get on when you, when, when you're familiar with the brand, like I don't want to rip on brands, but like NBC is giving you a fantasy football show. You're getting the milk. (laughs) All right. Got it. It's like ESPN. You're not getting bold calls. Yeah. Get the milk toast. Let's be bold, baby. So my, my, that's why. I love this guy here. There's a lot of upside. AJ Brown, I've got as my WR9. I've jumped a few other, I've jumped a few other wide receivers in ADP here. Now, a lot of people downgraded AJ Brown with the move from Tennessee to the Eagles. I disagree with the downgrade. And this is why I've put AJ Brown in the spot where I hit. Now, Jalen Hurts, not that good as a thrower. He really isn't. He his his completion percentage is terrible. Under under 60, I don't even know if he had 50% completion or or he's in the low 50s last season if I recall correctly. The reason that AJ Brown gets the spot though, A, he's got experience with Hurts, but more importantly, he's exactly the type of wide receiver that a player like Jalen Hurts needs. Hurts needs to just throw it up. He's actually got good deep ball accuracy again. He he's got he he lacks the touch of an elite pocket quarterback. He lacks the ability to zip one in on an out route. But A.J. Brown is a get-up-and-get-it large monster of a man. Six foot five, six four, six five. He's a giant, and he's exactly the type of wide receiver that a quarterback like Jalen Hurts can have success with because Hurts can scramble around. As long as A.J. Brown is one-on-one somewhere, just throw it up to him, throw it in his direction, he will probably come down with the football. So the Eagles have not had anything good at wide receiver. I think Devontae Smith is a terrible match for Jalen Hurts. It's not a good pairing, although he can go deep. He he lacks the ability to go up and get it the way that um, Jalen Hurts needs from his wide receiver. Hurts specifically said, they asked him, who do you want? We can get, you know, we can offer trades for a bunch of these guys. And Jalen Hurts said, I want A.J. Brown here. So... That's good enough for me. I like the Eagles offense as a whole. They don't really have running backs that can score touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Miles Sanders with zero. um, Full fade, Miles Sanders, no exposure, Mm -hmm. none whatsoever. So give me some A.J. Brown in this spot ahead of number 10, who everybody, most people will have a few spots higher, I think. But we'll we'll save that for, for next. What do you say, Shane? Man, I love A.J. Brown. He's probably one of my favorite players, just pure players in the NFL. Um, he's one of the most efficient wide receivers in the league, which is actually going to be perfect for Jalen Hurts, right? He's going to be able to get the ball and get yards after the contact or after the catch, excuse me. Um, he talked about just being a monster of a man. So so A.J. Brown, he's actually not a, a super tall dude. He's only six feet. Here's the thing. He's 226 pounds, okay? He has a BMI of 30.6. 
All right. So just some relative context for the people. All right. So on average, these quarterback or these wide receivers, excuse me, have a BMI of 25 to 27. That's, you know, you're athletic, you're thick, you're in good shape. You're, you're a football player, right? Debo Samuel, who is, you know, this running back slash wide receiver. This is a new mold of the NFL. He's got a 29.8 BMI. Again, AJ Brown is 30.6. The dude is thick as hell. I mean, like, DK Metcalf is a good couple inches ahead of him, like uh, taller than he is. But the two of the guys together, you see them with their shirts off, man. Like they're two monsters of men. And, 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 and you just see AJ Brown, man, just glistening muscles. You like Needless it. to say, I like AJ Brown. Than, a little more than you should. A I little think. more than I should. Yeah. But I think that, you know, you talk about the type of wide receiver that Jalen Hurts needs to take a step forward in this offense. AJ Brown's the guy. I agree with you. I think that Devonta Smith is probably going to move more into the slot more than he did last year. That's what that's what he's good at. He's shifty. He's good at getting open. He's good at getting uh, separation. But AJ Brown, man, contested catches. He can do it. He can get open. He can go deep. He's quick. You he's know everything that you need. And you know what other part of the formula? Well, the other checkbox mm-hmm. he fills. Yeah, new stud receiver on a team they want to feed them. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. If you, it's the opposite of kind of like logic said, well, it takes the player's time to, to, to jive with the quarterback. I could see that with a new mediocre player mm-hmm. like Christian Kirk mm. on the Jaguars. Yeah. Like, eh, but when it's a stud, when it's a known clear stud wide receiver diva coming to your team, you want to feed them. You want them happy. So AJ Brown fits that mold as well. And this next guy has a chance to fill that mold if he gets traded because he's been asking for a trade all offseason. And my understanding is he's still asking for a trade. And that's Debo Samuel, number 10 overall. And I, I've got to say something here, Shane. With Debo I'm nervous about this pick. Yeah. Tear drop. Because Debo Samuel's going way higher. Actually, I won't end up with Debo on any team. I've got him on all my dynasty teams because I, I picked him up last year and Every dynasty when everybody was stupidly ranking Brandon Ayuk ahead of him. That was easy money for me. Won those leagues last year. Good time. This year, though, Trey Lance at the helm. New offense. Lots of changes going on. The one great thing that and on a team that wants to run the football significantly. Last year, Debo Samuel was the picture of efficiency. It wasn't so much that he was running the football. That doesn't, we don't want runs from our elite wide receiver we want them catching passes the running play doesn't get me the fantasy a 10-yard reception is worth two fantasy points a 10-yard run is only worth one and they don't happen that often i want my wide receivers catching passes and he was not catching a lot of passes last year but what he did Mm -hmm. do was score touchdowns on his running plays i think that's still there because when they run it with Debo, it's almost impossible to defend it it's a wide receiver it's a running back back there it messes with defenses they were not able to defend that play and he was scoring a lot um within the five yards five yards to go he would he would score from that running back position and all those touchdowns led led to incredible fantasy production from Debo Samuel I'm a little bit worried about some regression on the touchdown side especially considering how frequently he scored relative to how many times he carried the football in a game he was you know he was only carrying the ball seven or eight times a game but usually you know, averaging a touchdown per eight or nine carries, which is he just was hitting a number that is unsustainable longer term. So I'm a little bit nervous about 
Debo, which is why I have him two or three spots below consensus. I believe on underdog. He's currently, um, let's see, he's going as the WR8 Eight. on underdog. And I've got him as my WR10, which might seem like a very small difference, but it's actually enough to the point where I probably won't end up with any Debo share. Certainly not on underdog and probably not in my regular league just because somebody's going to take him while I'm taking Mike Evans or AJ Brown or somebody else ahead of him. Yeah, man. I mean, you look at the situation and like the problem is there's been there's so much that's different this year right so first and foremost he hasn't so i guess the official thing is he hasn't officially rescinded the trade request he's not still he's not like pushing for it but he hasn't officially rescinded it i, I think that san francisco is going to get a deal done with him but the issue becomes he doesn't want to be used as a running back because he feels like it's going to shorten his career and so i heard an interesting on a show i listened to a lot of um nfl talk and the, uh, Pat Kerwin, who's on Moving to Change, NFL Network, former GM, he he talked about how, you know what, what San Francisco should do was come in and say, okay, here's your contract as for a wide receiver based on your wide receiver stats. Here's a contract based off of, you know, hybrid wide receiver slash running back and let the guy choose. The problem is he's probably going to want to be paid like one of these top wide receivers, right? $25, $26 million a year. Um, and and that, that wor that's worrisome. Obviously, Trey Lance is a completely different style of quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. You talk about those five-yard goal line runs that, that were going to Debo. Those aren't going to go to Debo anymore. Maybe a few will. They might, but, but some will go to Lance yeah. as well. That's where the regression might come from uh, as well. Although, again, try to be a defense and stop that. You've got Debo going oh, this God. way. you got Lance going there. you got a running back. You know, you've got a couple of, you know, just George Kittle, you know, threatening. It's it's going to be tough to stop this uh, in the NFL, yeah. but. I don't like. I, Pat Kerwin said, I, I got a question. Player choose what the hell kind of. No, he was just kind of like saying hypothetically, right? Yeah. Saying like, here's contract A is if you want to just be a wide receiver and we won't, we won't scheme these plays. The problem is like he, my, the Shanahan offense. That's what he does, right? He's creative. That's one of the reasons he's been so successful in the NFL because he's creative. He uses players to their strengths. And yes, Debo Samuel had a pretty outstanding season. If you just look at his 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 reception numbers, right? I mean. When you look at it last year, he had 77 receptions for 1,400 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns. That's still pretty damn good. The problem is though, the, the, the yardage, amazing. Yeah. 77 insane. receptions, though. That's not WR10 no. um, reception numbers. You know, he only had 120 targets. That, that's, that's low. What I'm saying. It's not the 150, again, yeah. 17 games. That's not the 150, 160 targets we're looking for out of an extreme stud at the position. He's like, oh, wait a minute. We're we're paying for a guy who's also going to get carries and touchdowns via the run and lots of them in order to pay off uh, the, you know, the WR8 draft position, which, again, I have him at 10. So that's why I'm downgrading him a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I have him as consensus as wide receiver eight, but I'm probably at this stage of the draft. This is where I'm looking at like Leonard Fournette at running back or or maybe probably not but maybe considering like if mark andrews falls maybe considering mark andrews i'm looking elsewhere i don't have a lot of a debo exposure myself um there's just so many range of outcomes the most likely range of outcome is he does not repeat last year's performance there we so, go there's some uh, i love it yeah so both of us a little bit down on debo still like him 
but I don't know that I want to pay a massive price for him. And uh, I guess we'll get a couple of honorable mentions for the next uh, tier here, or, or some guys that didn't make my top tier. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can give me a couple of yours, but for me, uh, just outside of the top 10, I've got T Higgins. And again, it's the whole Jamar chase thing. T Higgins had a lot of games last year with kind of mediocre production. And I just, I can't put him in there with the elite tier. Um, another name is Keenan Allen, really, really consistent, but uh, just another year older. He also doesn't have the touchdown upside, right? I mean, Mike Williams is going to get all those touchdowns. Yeah, not not as much with the touchdown. More of a PPR guy, not as much of a ceiling as, you know, Keenan Allen rarely pops for a 25 plus. This is part of the reason why I'm not in love with Diggs. Just not really popping for those 30 plus and 25 point plus weeks. I don't need a million of them, but I want a few of them. I want you to win me my week single-handedly a couple times this year. Mike Evans will do that. You know, A.J. Brown will do that. These guys really probably won't. Although T. Higgins could do it, but unlikely Keenan Allen's not doing it and and yeah. same same argument for Jalen Waddle just less volume this year loved him coming out last year great player great draft capital all of that but competing with Tyreek Hill is not ideal so there's just such there, he's not the alpha I want the alpha wide receiver in the top 10 and the same you know that's why T Higgins is out of it he's not the alpha he's the less good wide receiver on his <laughs> team for whatever that's worth so yeah. Um, any any guys just out of your top 10, Shane, you want to mention a couple honorable mentions? Yeah, here? I mean, we've, we've pretty much hit on all my top 10 guys. So one guy that you have a little bit lower than I do, I have him at number 13, is Michael Pittman. He's going to be playing with Matt Ryan now. And when we've seen Matt Ryan has been able to hone in and make one wide receiver extremely fantasy relevant. One of the things that Michael Pittman was very good at doing was he was he won in pretty much all types of schemes, whether it was zone, whether it was a man scheme. He was one of the most efficient uh, wide receivers in the league last season at getting open. And so I think that an experienced quarterback like Matt Ryan is going to see that there's not really a, a ton of other, you know, viable pass receivers on that team. I like Michael Pittman. If, if, if he falls to me in like the late round three, I, I love getting Michael Pittman there to me. He's going to, he's going to move up boards. I think as, as the drive season goes on. So, so keep an eye out for Michael Pittman. I love it. All right. That's going to do it for our top. 10 wide receivers for the 2022 fantasy football season. Um, check out in the description below. We've got our top 10 running backs. We got our top 10 quarterbacks. We got a top 10 tight ends. Now top 10 wide receivers. So all the breakdowns, let us know if you disagree, if you agree, hit us up in the comments section below. We always answer those comments. And of course, if you enjoy this type of content, make sure you like and subscribe to the video. So you get these videos as they come out, hit the notification bell, do all those good things. It helps the YouTube algorithm. It helps us know you're out there. So for Shane, for myself, bolt call. We'll see you guys next time. Deuces.